Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John Damaris, and lucky for us, we're actually going to talk about Necrons today. We have Sebastian joining us all the way from the other side of the world, uh, near Perth, Australia, I believe, where he recently won a 40-plus person tournament with Necrons in 9th edition, and he's telling me that he thinks they are positioned right now to do pretty well in 9th edition, which I definitely want to know more about that. Uh, joining me as always is the one and only Nick Nadavati, one of the best players in the world. He's going to help us break down this list and, and ask a lot of probably pretty good questions because I'm sure he's going to have some. Because uh, I think Nick's quote before it was uh, before we started this podcast was, "I'm not sure how your list works." So uh, I think this should be a really good discussion and educational for everybody involved. Nick, why don't you go ahead and introduce Sebastian, and then we'll get started talking about some crons. So yeah, Sebastian is a player from down under in the western state of Australia, and he is one of the only players in the history of all the players ever to actually win a GT with Necrons in 9th edition. Uh, Necrons, for the large part of 8th edition, were kind of in the lower tier of the power curve for most of it. And then in 9th edition, I think a lot of players haven't really spent much time exploring them or looking into them, partly because of their tie-over from 8th edition, and along with the fact they are going to be one of the best, or one of the first codexes getting released in 9th edition, hopefully giving some life in that codex. That is not dissuaded Mr. Sebastian from trying to play them um, successfully, I might add, in Australia in 9th. So we're here to dive into exactly what that looks like. Now, as John so lovingly said, I actually have absolutely no idea how Sebastian's list works. Usually when you see Necron armies, at least here in the States, they're very based around like Tesla and Doomsday Arcs, which he has. Um, Sotek as the main thing. Sebastian's gone with Metford. It's just a very offbeat Necron list from what I'm used to seeing. So I'm very curious to see how you use it. Sebastian, do you want to just take us through it? Yeah, sure. Um, so Sotek, most Tesla uh, Immortals and that is the standard 8th edition way to run. Um, doesn't really play well with the missions for, for ninth, And the current army I'm running... Um, I actually put together in about five minutes at work. I didn't actually think I'd be able to get to this tournament. And a couple of days before, I learned that I was had, had the weekend off. Are you so actually went, savant or something where you can just slap together an army of Necrons it, it and crush GTs? It was kind of just like, I'll, I'll throw together all the quantum shielding vehicles. That'll work. And then fill up the points with Warriors and Adzeva. Um, and yeah, see how it goes. Because <laughs> I'm used to running the uh, vehicle heavy list anyway. Um, but yeah, no. So I came off the came off a sixteen hour shift, an hour sleep, and then to the tournament. <laughs> so, well, that's yes. quite impressive. Um, my God, clearly you're a machine. So why don't you just take us kind of step by step what your list is like? You know, break it right, down. So, writing it, reading it off the list for us. All right. So yeah, going through the HQs, I'll just put them all into one. I go through the deta- detachments. I've got a Catacan Command barge uh, with the Relic Staff, the Voltaic Staff, and the uh, Merciless Tyrant Waller trait to make it a sniper. You can snipe with both the um, Tesla cannon underneath and the staff. Uh, got another Catacan Command Barge with a Lightning Field for an invulnerable save uh, with the War Scythe and the Gorse Cannon. Uh, I've got 20 Warriors with the new Gorse Reapers. Um, 
got the Deceiver. I've got three Triarch Stalkers, two with a Heat Ray and one with a Gorse Cannon for the range. And I've got three Doomsday Arcs as well. And then three Annihilation Barges, all with uh, full Tesla loaded out. All right, Sebastian. One of the things that you said that kind of caught my ear, because I've never seen this before, is that you're running some sort of sniper character. Uh, tell us all about that. Okay, so um, currently it's probably one of the best snipers in the game uh, is the Catacomb Command Barge. You give it the Merciless uh, Tyrant Wallet trait, and he gives uh, plus six inch range to assault weapons and um, ignores the lookout server rule. Uh, so you can snipe characters. So you end up getting um, a 30-inch Tesla cannon, for three shots, exploding sixes, hitting on twos. Um, and if you're in 15, neg one AP, uh, as well as uh, three shots, strength six, neg three, two damage, with sixes doing mortal wounds, uh, hitting on twos. And you can obviously still fire in combat as well, so still quite solid um, in that regard as well. And you've got... 12-inch movement. Gotcha. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've always thought about the sniping Catacomb Command Barge. Uh, I've just never seen anyone do it because the Catacomb Command Barge is kind of expensive for not that much payoff. How'd you find them? I find the payoffs uh, actually really solid. Um, you go with the either the um, Invulnerable Save, and then you've got both an Invulnerable Save and Quantum Shielding, which makes it extremely difficult to kill. And then the Sniper one for versatility. So... A good tactic with the sniper, for instance, is uh, you can either just position aggressively at the start, and then it forces the opponent to uh, deploy extremely defensively with their support characters, uh, potentially out of line of sight, and then you can just deceiver to have uh, line of sight or being able to get into line of sight of them first turn anyway. And it kind of forces your opponent to either take that com uh, command barge out or lose their characters. That's uh, that's a really good thing for your army as well because it takes a lot of investment to take it out for 145 points worth of model. I was going to say it's like almost a threat overload type thing where the command barge is in your face and very threatening, but you also need to get started on these uh, the barges and the doomsday yes. the stalkers. So, so that's part of the list is that nothing is good for the enemy to shoot at. Like, you know, I don't mind what the enemy kills and it just makes them make tough choices. And if they ignore the command barge, I'm going to kill their support characters. And if they do go for it, then Necrons have uh, a one CP stratagem um, for once per character. Um, at the end of a phase, you roll a four, four plus and it comes back alive on one wound. So that still works for the command barge. So they go, cool, I've spent all of this killing it and now it's back alive. One thing I think we should we shouldn't gloss over either for newer players is the deceiver is just allows you to pick up and redeploy something. So if you uh, redeploy, right? But if you if you redeploy that command barge, then you can line up a shot on somebody's character. Yeah, just from so many different angles, right? It's, and there's a lot of linchpins out there, right? There's a lot of linchpin characters that people really build their strategy around. So I imagine well, that's quite a one tool. Of, one of the main ones that's coming to play for really well is the. Um, I forget the name of the character, but uh, for Death Guard, they're always bringing the uh, fairly weak character with the uh, buff to give their vehicles the four of invulnerable save. Yeah, that's just going to be any of them with a relic, basically. Yeah, just pick a character, give them a relic. Yeah, and they usually run it on the uh, on the weaker guy up the back. So that, you know, anything basically, Space Marine Captain uh, equivalent. 
I roughly kill about seventy five percent of the time in one one shooting phase with that sniper. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, like that. Um, you know, four up involve five on profile. You that many shots. Yeah. And that's pretty. If you don't, if you don't have any vulnerable save, it just almost always kills. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I didn't consider that. Mm. So, um, let's go back to the deceiver really quick. There's a lot going on there. Like you yes. said, you you redeploy. D3 into the start of the game. Can you walk us through just exactly how that works now in ninth edition and then how you would use it in this army? So um, it's done after the roll for seeing who goes first. So once you know you know, who's going to have the first turn, you can do, uh, redeploy defensively or aggressively. Um, and you really need to know your opponent's army quite well uh, because even if you're going second, sometimes it's good to redeploy offensively in their, like, aggressively in their face even if they're going to be able to get into combat with you and potentially kill your vehicles because it can trap them in their deployment zone for a turn, potentially two if they don't take out the vehicles. Um, so yeah, you, you, it's, it's matchup dependent, heavily matchup dependent. Uh, generally yeah, I, speaking, I imagine that's what you're using the 20 warriors for in addition with this catacomb command barge. Uh, the, warriors, the warriors are never put in front of the opponent. Um, it'll either be warriors in a backfield um, covering a large area to stop deep strike, uh, as well as holding an objective or two, or I'll put them uh, on a far out flank um, on an objective uh, where like a, the furthest objective away from the opponent's army so that they can't get all of their shots into them. It's surprisingly difficult to kill that whole unit. I, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Because yeah, then you're making, you actually get to use your reanimation protocols. Yeah. I was going yeah. to trick them in the front, maybe shoot the crap out of something, charge it, that kind of stuff, and just be like the first attacking force. But I guess really the way your army wants to play is it's just a bunch of vehicles. There's nothing else. And yeah. then the warriors are your bodies for the sake of bodies, your screen when you need to be a screen, or yeah. Back the, people, people, um, so as I said earlier, I've, I've probably played more tournament games with Knights than pretty much anyone. And I've got, uh, quite a feel for how the missions work now and people are still scared and they're playing like eighth where you want to uh, keep all your units alive and that uh, i play uh, very aggressive and just sacrifice units left right and center i think every game that i've played i've had aside from uh one of them where i just decimated the opponent's army i'll have maybe two three four models alive um at the end of the game uh um, really? And well, models, but a vehicle heavy army, so still that's, just that's enough fair, to keep yeah. scoring the uh, table quarters. And the rest of them are all dead, and the opponent might have two thirds of their army left alive, but I've outscored them. Um, so, yeah, it's just you don't need to keep your models alive anymore. Um, it's, it's not an issue at all. All right. Well, that, that brings me up to a really quick question. Continuing with the deceiver, then, do you use the deceiver to get an aggressive start on the scenario? Yes, 100% yes. Even when you're going second, though? Yes. Like, let's say you're playing against. I don't want to get too specific on the matchups because no, that's I'm sure it's specific. But uh, like, if you're playing against an army that can just go first and blow up your tanks, uh, something like that, like Matt's auto cannon fire. You know, strength seven versus your toughness six for the majority. Two damage flat to kind of get around quantum shielding. Something like that. Uh, is that still somewhere of a place where you get aggressive, or you play that game more cagey? Um. <laughs> I haven't actually played against it yet, um, but I would probably uh, play a little bit more KG. In that case, I would put the warriors out front uh, because generally armies that are spamming auto cannons usually don't have the uh, close combat element to them. Yeah. Um, 
So, so we can get into like how you plan to play against Admech and Tau specifically. Yeah. The second half. So, but that makes sense. It's, it is case by case. Just generally, it speaking, is. It is definitely fun. case by case. Like some, sometimes I'm putting a Doomsday Axe forward. Sometimes I'm not putting anything forwards. Let's talk about kind of why you've gone this direction with your list instead of others. You've gone for very vehicle heavy, which is not uncommon for Necrons, but I'm not seeing things like Destroyers or Tomb Blades or Immortals, which are kind of staples, at least in 8th edition they were. Yes. Um, so Tomb Blades, are, they've gone from one of the best units in the Codex to one of the, um, not worse, they're definitely not terrible, but not being able to fall back and shoot is massive for them. Same with Destroyers. Uh, so if they get tagged, you just you're done. Uh, as well as still fairly squishy, uh, whereas the vehicles, at least you can still shoot into the combat. You might not be able to pick your targets well, but you're not losing all the firepower. Right. And then why why Mephrit instead of Sotek? Usually people really like that Sotek strat. I guess it's not so, as powerful with the plus one not stacking. Yeah, that um, I find generally I don't need the extra damage output from it. I'm not running the Tesla Immortals. Uh, I've only got the um, the barges. Um, but the Neg1, when you're running the Strength 7 Tesla, uh, the Neg1 AP is amazing. Um, as well as, yeah, one of the main benefits for Sawtech when you were running vehicles is the move and shoot. Um, you get that automatically now, so. No, it makes a lot of sense. Some effort just for that little extra AP. Yeah, and the Waller trait for the Sniper as well. Oh, that's only specific to Mephrit. Yes, yeah, so it's a Mephrit's Waller trait and the Relic Staff is Mephrit only as well. Okay. So why all these Triox Stalkers? That's another unit I've seen literally no one use ever. What is, what's going on? Triox Stalkers are amazing, and they've always been amazing. They're only getting better. Um, the scary part about this army is that every single model, uh, aside from the Warriors that we already know, is getting a massive buff uh, from all of the leaked sheets. Um, but yeah, the Triarch Stalkers are quantum shielding, three up armor save, um, movement 10, very fast. Uh, and they're rocking um, two multi melters each or two last cannons each, essentially. But it's every single. I mean, that's, that's not yeah, like. But every single thing I target with them, I get reroll ones against. Mm-hmm. So I guess for three of them, almost your whole army rerolls once every turn, yes. pretty much. Yeah. That's, a, that's pretty fair. That's, that's not a bad point at all. Is, do they often? Are you like using them aggressively? Or are they like the backfield? Like I'm trying to imagine how this army. I, I keep I keep team. one uh, I keep one back usually the one with the last cannons. For, it's got a little bit longer range, but two of them are um, the front lines. I usually send one left, one right down the field with the multi melters, and then the annihilation bar just to back them up. And are these things combat capable, or are they just like basically dreadnought shooting? They're combat capable. In a sense. They got three attacks, which is more than most Necrons, I guess. Three attacks. Oh, okay. uh, I think I've, I forget D three damage. I barely ever use them in combat. <laughs> so they're pretty much just like a very they're, large they're just a, yeah, very shield. very large dreadnought with quantum shielding and uh, ten wounds. Interesting. All right. So one thing that strikes me as very odd is that your army it doesn't have like a lot of screening capability. Your twenty warriors can be a screen, but it doesn't even seem like you're using them like that. So. I don't are screen people, at all. You don't screen at all. Okay. That answers that question. Are are people at all just charging you and then your tanks can't fall back and shoot because that's how rules work? Is that an issue at all for you? Not really. Um, well, all of the tanks can shoot in combat aside from the um, the Doomsday Arcs, uh, 
main gun, which is blast. The rest of them can all shoot in combat. Um, the Triarch Stalkers, I should mention, the Heat Ray is either two multi-melter shots or um, 2d6 heavy flamer shots. So good for nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, good for smaller units or getting charged. Um, but generally speaking, the, the I've got more movement than uh, the majority of close combat armies, uh, aside from, say, Harlequins, but Harlequins almost auto-lose to this list, so uh, it's not really an issue. Combat's not really an issue against me. I, I, I can move uh, 10, inch, 10 inches to the slowest unit. Yeah, the army is very fast, and I guess pretty tough to kill for most armies. Yeah. Um, but it seems like you do you don't deal like oppressive firepower and kill your opponent. Like you're saying, you're the one who almost gets tabled in most cases, winning the mission anyway. But you don't have much obsec. How does that all work come together? You're not really so, able to score the objectives without that, or are you? Um, well, I've, every game I've played, including all practice games, so I've, I've played probably 15 games of this army, um, and every single game I've scored 45 for primaries um and it just comes from the vehicles being so large that you just go i don't have obsec but that's fine i'm blocking the entire objective you can't get on it even oh, if wow, you do okay. have obsec so yeah but uh, i'm, I'm um, trying to imagine like the a team Zeric is very long but it's not particularly wide so i guess it would take two to block out an entire objective oh you only have to block them from one side really because unless they got fly to get over you I guess that's fair. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to. So but, you turn it sideways, put it over the objective, and then that fifty percent yeah. of the, the semicircle around the objective is yeah. blocked by your well, model. To, to, to give you an idea of the it. footprint yeah. that um, the army takes up is that uh, playing in the the quarters deployment, uh, mm-hmm. I barely fit the entire army in the deployment zone. Really? Yeah, it's, it's a very. It takes up a lot big. of space. Interesting. It's it's so hard to visualize this because like. I don't know. I'm not used to seeing Triarch Stalkers and Table. I've seen them before in real life. I know how large yeah. they are. Like three of those, three arcs, 20 warriors, and three barges. Oh, I guess four barges, really. That's not uh, small. Yeah. No, it, it takes up a lot of room. So um, you, you've gone very far away from Tesla. Yeah, basically just have the three barges for it. Do you find horde armies to just not be relevant in the meta anymore, or is that a weak spot of your list? Uh, surprisingly, um, my army is better suited at killing hordes than it is at killing uh, tanks. Uh, so yeah, I don't have any issue with hordes at all. But How do you figure the, that? So the Doomsday Arcs, uh, if I move them up, they're going to have uh, 10 or 20, if they're in short range, shots each at strength 4. And I've got the three Annihilation Barges all with Tesla as well. And then I've got the uh, 46 Heavy Flamer shots from the Triarch Stalkers. And then I've got the 40 shots from the Warriors. So I've got a lot of, uh, and they're all strength five. I've got a lot of uh, lower strength shooting in the army. So, nice. Yeah. yeah. There there's um, a lot of deceptive firepower in, there. In, in, a practi- in a practice game, I took out 120 Orc boys in one turn of shooting. One turn. Jesus. That's, that's so, a joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you even have 120 shots? What is this? Yeah. So the Doomsday Axe gets. Uh, if, you, if you're running max size squads, the Doomsday Arcs alone are going to be doing uh, 26 shots each. I guess they are last, so that adds up to. Yeah. Um, and you can move and shoot them no penalty, because like, what do you need the better stats for? Yeah, exactly. To get to get yourself in rapid fire range, and you get the heavy flamers, you got all Tesla. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's not it's, it's a lot of shooting. And then you've got yeah. combat, a little bit of combat to back it up. Uh, I'm not afraid to charge the warriors into, into anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just reading through your list right now to make sure I'm covering it all. It's so simple. It's like four units, but it's, it's effective. Yes. So is there anything you were considering, like maybe the new Indominus stuff for this list that didn't quite make it? Yeah, the uh, the Scorfec Lord I was considering, but couldn't quite fit the uh, fit it in points wise. Um, the idea being just uh, a back, like keeping the Doomsday Arcs uh, supported for something like a Custody Spike Captain or a Smash Captain coming in. Um, Necrons have the very useful one CP stratagem to ignore invulnerable saves on the first close combat attack. So when you've got a fairly tanky captain coming in. Um, it's good to just chip away at. Yeah. How much damage is on this hit? They hit with a flat three. Okay, so just here's three damage. Here's three damage. Um, and then, you know, if they fail two of the other saves, they're going to be straight up dead. So Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And Deceiver can use that too, so you got a couple yeah, of Yeah, I, I did use it on Deceiver. The Scorpic Lord's better for it because they're re-rolling their hits and wounds, whereas the Deceiver's, mm-hmm. yeah, not quite there. Did... Uh... Did you struggle playing like a mostly shooting based army without any indirect fire? No. Um, so there's a lot of terrain on uh, these boards for this one. There was probably uh, one of the boards I played on probably had too much terrain, which was the last board. Um, but generally speaking, because I've got minimum uh, 10 inch, or the receiver's slightly slower, but everything's like 10 to 12 inch movement. Uh, and uh, the annihilation barges can. And the sniper lord can all advance and shoot. Uh, so yeah, yeah, no, no issues. Get drive around and get angles, to whatever. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Okay. And if generally most people's line, uh, non-line of sight shooting is not effective enough to kill my stuff anyway. Yeah. What about um, the triple doomsday scythe, which we saw very commonly in Eighth Edition? Uh, I think they actually got buffed because now you can reserve them if need be, so you can make sure yes. you can bring I've, them in and get your strat off. I did try them out in some practice games. Um, honestly, they're still good, but if there's enough terrain on the board, it's very hard to keep them on the board. Um, even though you can fly fly off and come back, it means you won't be doing damage every turn. Can't really hold objectives with them. So yeah, it's and it, and personally for me, I just always seem to not roll a four plus for any units when I use them. So yeah, uh, they they're good. They're not as good as they were. With the buff that they're getting, they're going to be amazing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So walk me through kind of like a typical game, uh, I guess, like from your deployment to like what your strategy is. How do you know which tanks to move forward to hold objectives or contest objectives? Like what's your thought process there? Uh, again, it's very matchup dependent, but generally um, Doomsax will be sitting back most of the time unless the opponent doesn't have... Uh, a close combat element. If they don't have a close combat element, I'll move the Doomsday Arcs forward, uh, like right up in your lines. Um, and that way it's just, again, blocking people in. But if you've got a close combat element, it'll be you move up all of the um, Triarch Stalkers and Annihilation Barges. That way I can get a bit of overwatching if I need to. And they're all of them decent at it, so someone, someone can. Um, <clears throat> and just keep throwing vehicles at whatever it is. Are you looking uh, to charge with your vehicles to tie all up the time? All the time. Oh, all the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is like good stuff. So, um, does that ever concern you that like you're tying them up? They choose to sit in combat with you, and then you're like, "Well, my vehicle's useless now." How does how do you think about that? Uh, 
I'm okay with that, 100% okay with that. I'm never actually uh, trying to kill the opponent's entire army, so I'll choose whichever vehicle is going to be least um, least useful in that matchup. Least useful in that matchup, and just go, cool, that's in combat now, I'm tying you up. And I mean, presumably, right, like, you're charging, you're being aggressive, so you're, you're charging to pin them in a place that makes them less relevant on the primary for the, yes. the mission, yes. is that the goal? Yes. Always, because the primary is worth so much now. Um, and it may seem odd, but this army is very good at scoring both primaries and secondaries. It does leak leak secondary points a bit as well, being so many vehicles. Um, yeah, I mean, you could have max bring it down, but pretty much nothing else, right? Well, out of I don't know if you saw the scoring for this. Um, out of the it was only a three game tournament. Uh, out of the two hundred and seventy points, uh, I got two hundred and sixty for the day. And then (laughs) uh, every practice game that I played, only going off 90-point scoring, um, every practice game, I was only one where I scored 89, and every other one I scored over 90. Um, It's just very hard for opponents to get around and to get to primaries. And you're not going to stop the army from getting all four table quarters every turn. Yeah. Definitely. So I, I can definitely see how you can score your secondaries. Just having lots of tough units around the table is, is very good for, like you said, engaging all fronts. Yep. But you've kind of forgotten the ability to do some other staples like raise the banners or deploy scramblers. What would you typically go for for your secondary choices? I can still do um, deploy scramblers if I need to, um, but that's only 10 points. So I try just do it three times. Yeah. 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 Um, but generally, uh, kill more is easy enough to get. Um, a lot of people tend to run vehicles, so yeah, just killing their vehicles is a great one. Um, almost always table quarters, but I found I've, I've actually taken the mission-specific one in uh, most games. Really? Because a lot of times I find yeah. the mission-specific one is either this is impossible to score, I'm not even going to bother, or it's really, really easy, like priority targets or sweeping clear. You're just taking that, I'm with you. But the vast majority of the missions is pretty difficult. How do you take that as a standard? Um... They, they usually are difficult, but they're high risk, high reward. But I find that uh, I generally don't have any issue with them. With Yeah, high risk, high reward for most armies. I tend to not struggle with this army. So like uh, the, in the last game of the tournament was um, complete an action with an, I believe it was the infantry unit, I can't actually remember. Complete an action on an objective, and then you get uh, VP based on a number of objectives you hold. For instance, now if you're already winning on primaries, that one is great because it's like cool. I've done. I'm holding three objectives or four objectives. I'm going to get that many VP each turn. Yeah, yeah. And you're not concerned with like your opponent's already incentivized to be constantly contesting your objectives for his primary score or to to keep your primary score lower. And now that you've taken secondaries that are often tied to holding an objective even harder. Hmm. Now it's you're, you're doubling down, like you said, Tyrus Kyra Ward. Yes, your opponent doesn't contest your objectives. Here's a butt ton of points, but he does contest them, and you're like, oh, I missed my opportunity to score a lot of points here, over and over. Is that not a thing that concerns you? No, not at all. Um, I haven't met any list yet that's been able to contest objectives um, against this army. Uh, like uh, Custodians haven't been able to do it. Harlequins haven't. Um, Dark Elder haven't, and they're usually the the worst ones for getting up in your face. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, though, like especially like I, I've been playing a lot of Harlequins myself lately, and like I'm thinking about my Harlequins playing against this, and I'd just be trying to contest your objectives with OPSEC every single turn of the game. Yeah, the, the main thing comes from the fact of um, Harlequins actually struggle to kill the kill these vehicles. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, effectively, if you're doing the fusion boats they literally bounce off Connor. Yeah, and tank. they they really do, and then and then it comes down to if I go, I want three objectives, I can put two to three vehicles on each objective and you just can't physically fit on them. Right, right. There's got to be space to put my models on with you. So yep. I guess that's a tactic you can use a lot of the time. Yes. Uh, when you were designing this Necron army, what were you considering as part of the meta? The meta is brand new in 9th edition uh, and especially very regional. I know I got a feel for what it is over here in the States, but Australia is kind of lost on me down under. So what were you preparing for in this event? Australia and WA specifically run pretty much just the most random crap you could imagine. So it was actually, uh, yeah, I wasn't actually preparing for any specific list. I, you always have to prepare for everything here. Um, I was actually hoping people would run Marines, um, but then I think I think only like six people at the tournament ran Marines, and I didn't get to verse them. But uh, but other than that, yeah, no, you didn't, can't really plan around specific metas around here. So Sebastian, would it be fair to say then then your list is not so much designed to counter? other armies but more designed to present a problem which is i'm going to move this fast moving stuff and be all over the objectives yes and just move block the crap out of you charge you pin you in places and make it hard make it very difficult for you to play the primary uh, yes. make it very difficult to play some of the secondaries like you know all fronts that kind of thing yes i should have also mentioned as well uh, one of the other secondaries that is uh, i do take frequently and is quite solid um and it plays into the uh giving your opponent bad choices is, um, I forget what it's called, the one to keep your vehicles alive, keep three models alive. While we still we fight. That's the one. Um, so that's the Doomsday Arcs in this list. They're, they're yeah. decently difficult to kill. But Especially if your opponent doesn't want to kill them, like maybe yes. he's a horde so, army that doesn't feel incentivized to. Well, it's, like, also, it's also you go, all right, you look at the opponent's army, have they got a lot of long-range firepower and if they don't you can take that sit your dooms arcs at the back and then you throw everything else forward and you're like cool if you're going to shoot at the other guys you're not getting your 15 points for the dooms arcs right that makes sense if you are shooting at the dooms arcs it's not enough firepower to kill them at range so so to go along with your theme of just really durable vehicles moving on the table doing its thing have you considered ghost arcs at all uh maybe ghost arcs with warriors inside so when they do eventually die a pile of obsec just piles out of it and you can keep healing your warriors or is this just like way too expensive I have considered him, um, and I'd put him in place of the Annihilation Barge. Uh, the what only reason, cost these days? I literally don't remember. I can't remember. I think they're like 110 or 115. Um, yeah. But there's two reasons I don't do it. Um, one, the smaller footprint on the Annihilation Barge just helps in a lot of time to get where you need to. Yeah, you don't want the reason to be so big and clunky. But if I ran three... Uh, three of those instead of the barges, then there's certain deployment maps I actually wouldn't be able to fit the entire army in. It would oh. actually be it actually be too large. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, uh, do you ever consider consider strategic reserves for anything in your army? Uh, I've thought about it, and the only time I'd ever go strategic reserves is if somebody took uh, the um, kill the wallet one and had enough snipers to be able to kill my Katagang command barge. Yeah, and you just reserve that's about it. it. Yeah. That's always a good option to keep in your back pocket. But yeah, your army doesn't seem one to really rely on reserves. Um, 
Would you ever? It's interesting that you haven't taken Veil. Um, well, I've got the Deceiver for it. Um, yeah, and, I'm thinking more like late game. Your warriors want to just be somewhere else. Now I no, can do that. Look, don't need to because the rest of the army is so fast. Because the warriors are just going to park up on an objective, and that's their objective for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've not gone for any resorbs or cryptex or anything to help those warriors out. So. I know you don't want to invest too much in support characters. You mentioned that earlier. Basically, the further you invest, the less stuff you have. But like, you know, f- resurrecting on fours or re-rolling, all that stuff is really nice. A five it's, bundle, one. They're that. currently fives re-rolling one, so it's already pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, like, yeah, no, nobody's killed the entire warrior unit. Uh, in any oh, game yeah. I played, I mean, it's the it's certainly the lowest. Like, why would I shoot the warriors? Yeah, exactly. The and then, and by yeah. the time that by the time you've got things to shoot it with, um, like you know, turn three, turn four, turn five, that's when you don't have enough firepower left to deal with a twenty man unit. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, is there like a target priority list on your opponent's army that you're trying to kill? And we can get more specific with this in part two. But yep. just in general, like kill the anti tank weapons first, let your tanks live, or uh, leave the anti tank weapons alive. It's because I don't mind the anti tank. It's killing anything, any strength <laughs> seven. Yeah. Um, target priority is either anything that's like auto cannon profiles. Yeah, because that's or, the worst for the climb shielding. Um, other than that, it'll be the fastest units in the army. Uh, target priority is always fastest units in the army or whatever's on the objective that I need to get off. Yeah. So you'll actually just like leave last cans and stuff alive. Cause I'll be on something yeah. slow and yeah, there's cares. no point shooting them. Um, like, uh, blight haulers, for instance, in the, in the last game I played, he had a great unclean one with the blight haulers. So he can really like, resurrect them in that. So I just didn't yeah. kill any until the last turn of the game. Uh, that, that's a very extreme example where it's like, you're, you shoot that unit. It takes so much effort to actually see any return on investment, and then they still can just resurrect. Like I totally with you for not shooting that, but like I, just I did like, shoot them a little bit, but it was only with stuff that wasn't really shooting anything else anyway. Right, but, right. Incidental yeah. fire, but like if your punt, like now that these are indicative of what you'll actually see, but if your punt brought some predator type tanks, just someone that sits there and shoots last cans at you, it's relatively easy for you to kill tank without an invul. Yes. You bother? Um, it really depends on what else the rest of the uh, army's doing. If the mm-hmm. if the rest of the army's not doing anything important, then sure I'll kill them. But uh, I'd rather kill the uh, aggressors that are going to be coming off the board or something like that. Yeah, that makes a lot uh, more sense. There's, there's usually more important stuff to kill than yeah. The but yeah, you get my point. Yes, no, okay, I'll leave them alive. So. Mm-hmm. Was uh were psychic Harvey armies ever an issue for you? One thing that Necrons have always struggled with is their total lack of acknowledgement of the psychic phase. Not really. Uh, each vehicle's got enough wounds because most uh most of the mortal wounds um that you get from psychic powers are uh, targeted for the most part and not targeted for the most part i should say so as long as you position correctly then the opponents shouldn't be able to just smite more than one vehicle to death a turn and they'll have to like uh do chip damage on each vehicle and because you heal each turn then yeah it shouldn't affect you too much it's it's in the end of the day it's not much more damage than they would be doing if they were taking normal weapons to deal with vehicles anyway. Okay, well, I have another question. But before I ask, let's go ahead and take a quick break for a note from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. 
No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Okay, Sebastian. So um, we talked about the two, and I don't remember the, I'm sorry, I don't know the dynasty names. Whatever no, dynasty you're taking. Yep, yeah, you're, ta- you're taking your... Uh, uh, Dynasty Relic and your Dynasty Warlord trait. Yes. Now, are there any others, Relics or Warlord traits that you've considered for the army? And then I guess the follow-up question to that is what stratagems are you saving your CPs for in general? Okay, so um, with the Warlord traits, there's not many good Warlord traits for Necrons. Um, there's two really good ones, which is the Mephrit one and the um, the generic one to ignore morale and be able to deny one power which I don't need in my list, so don't take that one. Um, I do have a second relic in the army in the lightning field for the second catacomb command barge, which gives it a four from vulnerable save. Uh, and at the start of the assault phase, uh, every unit within an inch takes a mortal wound on a four plus of that character. Um which is just handy for durability more than the Yeah, the Voltaic Staff is actually quite useful, I found. Yes, it's very handy. Uh, but as for stratagems, uh, I mean, I start with eight CP, and then the only things I really need are re-roll number of shots for the Doomsday Arcs um, if I roll low, uh, resurrecting the Catacomb Command Barges, which is only one CP. Um, and then... So Jamie can't re-roll that anymore. No, yeah, that's that's painful. <laughs> and the majority of the time I fail that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> my ass. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then there's the one CP strat for uh, pick a unit, and every six to hit is an extra shot. Uh, but other than that, that's that's all I use it for. There's no real other um, <laughs> strategies I need. Cool. So yeah, I mean, your army, like you said, it doesn't matter that you have start with eight CP. It's like. You're going to gain yeah. one per turn, probably spend one per, spend two per turn, realistically. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always... That's enough. Uh, there was only, only the final game that I, um, that I actually used a lot of CP. Every other game, I finished with six, seven. <laughs> yeah, it's just... So. It's so interesting. Like, a lot, I've heard the mantra that, like, any game you finish with CP left, it means you mismanage your CP. That's so, like, untrue, because you never know when you'll need them in future, so it's better to save them early... And then turns four, turn five, you just can't spend them that fast. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I guess when every, everything I need costs yeah. one CP, so right. You know, if I if I well, you could my, design an army that has like a lot of use for your strats, but this is there, not there's that some army. really good. There are some really good stratagems that are just not for the way I built the army. Oh, sorry, and there there was one other one which was the um, uh, one CP to fight at full effectiveness for a vehicle. Oh yeah, it's a good. One. Do you ever heal your vehicles? I think is that a strat you have? It's not a stratagem. They just heal, heal. I, heal. I wasn't sure if you also had a strat. Yeah, I got you. No, unfortunately, not. <laughs> That'd be too much. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I guess that pretty much concludes my questions. John, is there anything else you want to ask? I got one more. Actually, um, I, I don't have any more questions other than um, let me just see if I summarize this maybe for our newer players. But it sounds like your overall strategy is just to. 
aggressively use the deceiver to whatever you care least about in the matchup to jam your opponent with. So, you know, uh, it, it might be, it might be the ghost darks, but probably not very often. Um, but it's just, you know, whatever D three things that you can get into your opponent's face to move block them, charge things that they want to be moving out to get on objectives. And you're kind of playing a delaying action to slow them down on primary so that you get kind of a lead to the point where, they can't really recover because they can't kill your stuff fast enough to get in the game because they're too busy being pinned in their deployment zone or whatever. Does that mean you really want to go first a lot of the time out of curiosity? Uh, actually, the opposite. Uh, going second is more beneficial. Um, in general, I've found going second is extremely strong this edition. You know, most players I find uh, who we get on this podcast to interview or who I talk to in my kind of leader circles, they all pretty much are in agreement that going second gives you such an omniscient advantage that it's worth doing. And that's really counterintuitive because, like, you would think the first player gets the first shot on the opponent and gets to jump on all the objectives first. So what's your thought process with choosing second? So... um yeah, so if if you if you go first, yeah, you can potentially shoot, but uh, the problem comes from uh, if there's enough terrain on the board, they're going to hide the majority of their stuff or the majority of things that you want to kill anyway. Uh, by going second, if they want to push out onto the objective, that's fine. They can do that. But most of the objectives are going to be um, not necessarily in the open, but there'll be somewhere that you can move to to shoot them. So you go, cool, you're on the objective, but you're not going to be on there for your turn to score because you're only going to get one, two units onto each objective, and I'll kill those. Any, right. any it's that the beta strike that really... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a beta strike on the objectives. That makes perfect sense. I, I personally agree with you completely, and I find myself literally choosing second in every game. But yeah. I want uh, it's a big misconception amongst the big part of the community that going first is like the win button in this division. Um, no, it's, it's definitely not. Try to spell it. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, um, the stats for over here, but I, I believe it. Out of all the tournaments in Perth at the moment, because we've run quite a few, I think it's like fifty-six to forty-four or something like that percent. It's actually I got the numbers from Michael oh, from Opsec. Did you? It's, oh, 50, yeah, okay. it's fifty-three to forty-seven, even closer. across all of their tournaments. Yeah. To go, so going first to going second or going second? Yep. Going, going first has a slight advantage. They win fifty-three percent of their games. Yeah. Well, it's pretty friggin' balanced if you ask me at the very beginning. I mean, that's within the margin of error. It's you could just call it 50-50 and feel yeah. pretty good. I mean, even even literally there. chess has like it's like fifty-one to forty-nine or something, white to black. Yeah. So it, it's yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, but yeah, I, I do prefer second a lot of the time, unless um I'm versing Marines. If I'm versing Marines, going first is amazing because they just melt. Well, we can get a lot into how you just melt the Marines in episode two. That's where we're going to cover all our individual matchups and probably go through some of the stuff you played and some of the stuff you thought about how you'd approach it as a Necron player in this brave new world. Uh, that's pretty much it, though. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, everyone. We'll see all of you patrons over on episode two, where we're going to dive deep into the details of optimal play with this Necron list, which I think is actually going to be very interesting in this particular case because I, I'm pretty sure that... The way he plays the game may be similar in every game, but there's a lot of devil in the details for each individual matchup that's really going to up your win percentage uh, with this particular list. Uh, as always, you can find that information through our Patreon at AOW40K.com. It's just $6 a month, and uh, I think I personally think that the Episode 2 discussions are more... Um, they're better for getting better at the game 
than the episode one discussions, even though I think the episode one discussions are tremendous. So anyway, we'll see all you patrons over there. Uh, Otherwise, everyone else, we'll see you next week. Peace and love. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect. connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.